You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy hump day to you all. Hope you guys are having a great Wednesday. Whenever you hear this, plenty to get to ahead on this episode of Locked on Cougars. Today, we're going to talk about how the Supreme Court of the United States have really helped out student athletes. A court case many of you probably are familiar with, Alston versus the NCAA, was ruled on earlier this week. How does it affect BYU? We'll examine that. We'll also look back in BYU football history at the 1971 season for the Cougars. Tommy Hudspeth's final ride at the helm of the BYU football program. How did it go? We'll break into that. And of course, we'll catch you guys up on everything else you need to know as a BYU fan here at midweek. All right, today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends of the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. If you need anything with regards to the draft, player breakdowns, film evaluations, no matter what it might be, want to encourage you guys to check out Locked On NFL Draft. It is available wherever you guys get your podcasts. All right, without further ado, let's dive in on a Wednesday. This is the Locked on Cougars podcast for June 23rd, 2021. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. A big thank you once again for joining us on your daily podcast focused on all things BYU. A reminder for you guys that listening to this podcast is really simple to do. I know many of you probably returning to the office, getting back to this quote-unquote everyday life. Well, if you guys are driving to or from work, you're making your rounds, whatever it might be, all you need to do to listen to this show is use your smart device. Whether you've got AirPods in, you have a smart speaker, your phone is integrated with your car. Tell your smart device, play the podcast Locked on Cougars or play the Locked on Cougars podcast. You can word it however you want. It knows exactly what you want. And all of a sudden, we'll be right there with you guys along for the ride. All right, getting going here on a Tuesday. Let's talk a little bit about BYU in regards to the Alston versus NCAA case. Some of you may have seen this earlier this week. The United States Supreme Court ruled on a case that's been pending for a long time now. In the case of former University of West Virginia running back Sean Alston, I guess it's West Virginia University, I apologize, Sean Alston against the NCAA. And what this ruling has done is it now has really, I think, forced the NCAA to reevaluate what it should be operating as. And what I mean by that is, is this case was a 9-0 landslide. Very rarely do you ever see the Supreme Court of the United States of America put together all nine justices who, they're not supposed to be partisan, but let's be clear, they are partisan to a degree. All of them ruled against the NCAA in this. I think this is a huge win for student-athletes, and I understand some of you probably are a little more in the know than others that the current circumstance of the Alston versus NCAA case stop the overall overhaul of the NCAA. They make it so you can only benefit student athletes with more things relating to their education. So let's take a step back for a minute here and talk about what Alston versus the Supreme Alston versus the NCAA in front of the SCOTUS uh, entailed. What it entailed was that now all student athletes at universities are more entitled to more compensation. It has to relate to their education. Education. 
So what that would mean is paid internships, opportunities for postgraduate scholarships from the university they go to. There have been some people out there who are saying that scholarships may now be a lifetime scholarship where a university says, son, we're offering you a scholarship and it is good for the entirety that you are on this planet. If you decide to go pro after three years and then decide down the road, I want to get my degree, come back here. You're on full scholarship. You'll be able to get your degree. No problem. That actually seems like a very enticing idea. I don't know how many universities will go for it right away, but it has opened the door to stuff like that. The cap on what I'm hearing about this and what I read is about $5,900 is the total overall compensation that a student athlete can receive. It can actually be cash if a university deems that they want to do that. They want to give these student athletes just straight cash money. They can do that. They can do that, excuse me. And you can do it via benchmarks for academic. So let's say you have a football program and you say, okay, whoever gets over, let's say a 3.0 GPA during your time as a student athlete here at X university, in our case, BYU, you will receive money for that. You will get the money that you are owed under this current ruling from Alston versus the NCAA. Okay. That seems interesting, but there's also opportunities for, like I mentioned, internships, study abroad, uh, grad school and all the different things that go into that, even computers. You could buy all the school supplies, computers, everything that helps a student, quote unquote, have success in the classroom. That all falls under this case. I am all for, let me be clear about this. I am all for student athletes benefiting to the biggest degree that they possibly can. Also, one other thing to note here is that this case, Alston versus the NCAA, does not relate to the name, image, and likeness situation that we find ourselves in, where the NCAA is trying to figure out how student athletes can benefit from their name, their image, or their likeness, autograph signings, endorsing products, using social media feeds to endorse things. That is a separate issue that is going to come here in the relatively near future. There are state laws, I believe 10 of them pending, that start July 1 or shortly thereafter to allow student athletes in those 10 states to benefit from NIL laws. Utah is not one of them, but the NCAA currently is uh, measuring all kinds of different proposals. One of them out there that I think would be the best would allow all schools in the NCAA to permit NIL regulations and make their own rules for it. The only two stipulations currently that would be permitted would be A, it would not allow school employees or boosters to pay athletes, and B, don't allow payments in exchange for athletic performance or recruiting inducements. So AKA, you can't pay for play, and you also can't go out and say, son, sign with the school, we'll give you this much money. That just can't cannot happen and that makes sense. I'm all for this. As I've mentioned previously on this podcast in multiple episodes, and I mentioned it again right here, I am all for student athletes benefiting from their name, image, and likeness. The NCAA, I know the amateurism is out there. Well, we want to be a, a thing where these student athletes, they're playing for the love of the game. You know what? You created a multi-billion dollar business on the backs of these student athletes. They should benefit right alongside their coaches, administrators, and you cronies who who run the NCAA looking at you, Mark Emmert up there in Indianapolis. So 
So my overall takeaway from this is I am applauding the fact that the Supreme Court laid the wood to the NCAA. Justice Kavanaugh putting out there that the NCAA is not above the law. Uh, He actually also stated that any other lawsuits that come against the NCAA that may come in from that court would put them under the full purview of antitrust regulations and laws that would absolutely potentially decimate the NCAA as an organization. You know what? The NCAA is sat on its hands and preached and preached and preached about being this big brother that wants to be care for its student athletes and blah 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 all this crap that they have spewed forth for many many years all the while they have seen the cracks in their foundation get deeper and deeper and i think one massive swing came this week when the supreme court ruled unanimously nine nothing against the ncaa and in a case actually the ncaa after getting the appeal up to the ninth circuit if i'm not mistaken is where they appealed it to the ncaa asked for this to go to the supreme court they petitioned to the supreme court and got absolutely obliterated nine nothing so tip of the cap to the supreme court of the united states of america i applaud you guys and by the way i'm not saying this is a bad thing in any way shape or form for byu but the one thing is is if BYU can help these student athletes out with whatever it might be in regards to their education and we all know that BYU is a relatively cheap university for the quality of the education that goes in there tuition always really low due to being subsidized by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints why not why not invest in this take advantage of this if you're Tom Homo if you're the rest of the BYU athletic department brain trust take advantage of this ruling give your student athletes every advantage you possibly can muster and do it right now open the doors let them benefit and you will obviously garner the what what would you call it? the love and the admiration of your student athletes but it also can become a recruiting chip for guys like Kalani Satake, Mark Pope, Jeff Judkins, all the different coaches under your athletic department umbrella. They can all benefit from this. Name image and likeness is coming. We all know that. And I think that Tom Homo has been on top of this obviously with the Built for Life campaign they announced last week at BYU Football Media Day. I think it's a masterstroke. They're ahead of the game on this and it's going to benefit them and Tom Homo told the Deseret News Quote, today's Supreme Court ruling is just another element, and this came from yesterday, to help us adjust to the necessities of student-athlete compensation. BYU Athletics remains supportive of our student-athletes making as much money as they can in this new landscape, unquote. And then also on social media yesterday, a bigger quote from him saying, quote, BYU Athletics remains supportive of our student-athletes making as much money as they can in this new landscape. Hey, shocking. Same thing. But they add, we feel that our Built for Life campaign that we formally launched last week offers the holistic support necessary to help our student athletes benefit from their name image and likeness while receiving important career development that will benefit them beyond their time at BYU no matter what the details of student athlete compensation or NIL legislation look like you're ready to fold it into our built for life program while many are looking at what NIL will mean for the fastest ways to get student athletes paid we are in this for the long haul unquote I think it's the right way to approach it I think BYU is doing things the right way making sure their student athletes are taken care of and we'll find 
find out how it goes down the road, but I'm appreciative that Tom Homo and his staff down there at BYU have been forward thinking on this whole endeavor. And the good news is, I think student athletes are finally going to start getting maybe a little more of a fair shake in a multi-billion dollar business that they have not benefited from fully for many, many decades. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll continue on looking back in BYU football history. What happened in 1971, the final year of Tommy Hudspeth's era? It preceded a certain Legends campaign or his tenure as head coach. We'll get to all of that here in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends over at Bet Online. They are the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, uh, football futures for both college and NFL, MMA, UFC, golf, you name it. Bet Online has it for you guys. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game and have some skin in the game. Do it with Bet Online. Sign for free at betonline.ag whether you use your mobile device or your desktop computer sign up now and while you're there when you make your first deposit use the promo code locked on for a 50 percent welcome bonus it's a great way to have some fun in the sports betting realm do it with our friends at bet online and once again use that promo code locked on for that 50 percent welcome bonus it's all courtesy of betonline.ag as they are your online sportsbook experts All right, my friends, let's continue on with our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown and look back at 1971 for the BYU football program. Many of you might know, and if you don't, 1972 was the first year that Lavelle Edwards took over as head coach of the BYU football program, but he'd been an assistant at BYU for the 10 years previous to that, most of them as the defensive coordinator. That did not change in 1971, but 1971 was the final season of Tommy Hudspeth's era as head coach of the BYU. BYU football program. I think we all need to give credit to Tommy Hudspeth for what he did for the BYU football program. This was a guy who didn't have to really go out and do much in many ways to be considered a success, but in many ways, I think he helped modernize what BYU was as a football program, and that probably came due in part to their just being part of how college football evolved over the years. But he did some great things for the Cougars. He finished with an overall record of 39-42-1, so a losing record. But nonetheless, I think uh, when you win your first WAC championship, the first conference title in program history, you absolutely need to give him some credit. Uh, Funny enough, there are people out there, Lavelle Edwards actually acknowledged the fact that watching Virgil Carter and that offense that he engineered that really threw the ball all over the field really gave him kind of the idea for what BYU would become in terms of the air raid the BYU offense that became synonymous with Lavelle Edwards during his tenure as head coach that we're going to start talking about tomorrow Uh, a quote here from Tommy Hudspeth by the way talking about Lavelle said quote I can't take any credit for what Lavelle did Hudspeth said Lavelle was a brilliant coach when we worked together back in the 1960s Lavelle already had a great understanding of what to do on offense I recommended him when I took left to take the job at UTEP but everybody knew what a smart young coach he was unquote so Hudspeth resigned his position we'll get to the 1971 season and the details of that year in a minute well Hudspeth resigned his position in January of 1972 and then shortly thereafter Lavelle Edwards was promoted from defensive coordinator and we'll talk more about how his tenure began in 1972 tomorrow but that team in 1971 sent Tommy Hudspeth out and by the way Hudspeth ended up going 
going to UTEP as their offensive coordinator, was named as the interim head coach after a disastrous start to the season, then followed that up a year later with an 0-11 record before being fired and went on to spend time in the NFL, the World Football League, and the Canadian Football League and the rest of his coaching career. Well, he had a pretty good team despite a 5-6 record in 1971. BYU as a team was 3-4. That was fourth place in the WAC that year, but they had some very, very good players on this team and had things maybe bounce a little differently for BYU, they probably could have put together a better record than that 5-6 and six record. They had guys like Gordon Gravel, who was a second-team All-American offensive lineman for BYU. Gravel went on to win multiple Super Bowl titles with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Golden Richards, we kind of talked about him yesterday. He set the NCAA record with four punt return touchdowns during the 1971 season. He was an honorable mention All-American. Jeff Lyman was an absolute tackling machine. He was also honorable mention All-American. I believe he put together either back-to-back 150-plus tackle seasons, if not at least 100 tackles in each season, but nonetheless, a great player. And then Joe the Toe Lillianquist played defensive line for BYU, received honorable mention All-American honors for that, but in addition to that, also was the kicker and the punter for BYU. His kicking percentage on field goals, not so great, but the fact that he was a defensive lineman who also kicked and punted, that's pretty impressive. And Joe the Toe Lillianquist, that's a great nickname, Joe the Toe. So those are your four All-Americans on this team. But BYU also had other players like Pete Van Valkenburg, who's going to figure very prominently into our conversation tomorrow was a very good player, was BYU's leading rusher on this team, and BYU ran the ball very well this season overall. They had four players who had over 400 yards rushing on the year. Uh, Van Valkenburg almost 700 to lead that group amongst the running backs and guys carrying the ball. The passing game is where they absolutely struggled. They just had no success passing the ball. That was their big downfall. They started the season fine enough at North Texas, winning in a blowout 41-13, to then coming home and absolutely crushed Colorado State 54 to 14 on September 18th, 1971. But then they suffered what was the first of two three-game losing streaks this season, going to Kansas State, losing 23 to 7, being shut out the following week by New Mexico in Provo 14 to nothing, and then losing at Utah State 29 to 7. They bounced back in fine fashion, though, beating Wyoming in Laramie 35 to 17, going to Tulsa, where funny enough, Tommy Hudspeth would end up uh, working for a time after his play days and coaching days were over 25 to 7 was the win over uh, the golden hurricane there at skelly field and then finished that three-game road trip up a three-game win streak up excuse me with a road trip to utep beating the miners 16 to nothing funny enough that tommy hudspeth would go on to coach at utep shortly after this season concluded they finish out the year on a tough note though losing to number eight arizona state 38 to 13 in tempe losing to arizona 27 to 14 at home and then finally Finally, a 17-15 setback against Utah. And one thing to note about 1971 is this would be the last time BYU lost to Utah until the late 1970s. The biggest win streak in BYU football history against the Utes was about to begin, beginning in 1972, and we'll talk about that ahead on tomorrow's show. So there you go. Everything you guys need to know about 1971 and the BYU football program. A pretty impressive season overall. You finish in fourth place in the WAC. Not a lot of 
teams had standout records that year. Arizona State was the best in the conference by far. 11-1 overall, number 8 in the country. But then you had New Mexico, who finished 5-1 in conference. Well, they were 6-3-2 overall. Arizona, who finished just in front of BYU, a 3-3 overall record, a 5-6 record. Wyoming, also a 5-6 record, tied with BYU for fourth place. So this is not a season that BYU is necessarily out of the mix in the whack because there was one team who was head and shoulders above the rest, speaking of ASU. But BYU probably could have had a better season had they been able to convert some of those pretty close losses. Had they been able to get more consistent offense, especially through the air game uh, in terms of passing the ball, they absolutely struggled in that department. It really hurt them, I felt like, reading up on the 1971 season. All right, coming up here in a minute, though, we'll wrap up today's show with everything else you need to know as a BYU fan here at Midweek on a Wednesday edition of the show. We'll get to all of that in just a few moments. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends at Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store or the dealership you prefer to stock all the parts that you need for your vehicle. So why not use a resource that has all the parts available to you from hundreds of manufacturers? You can do that by going to rockauto.com. You can save time and money when you choose Rock Auto, folks. This is a family business. Been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They want to make the do-it-yourself situation that many of us try to find ourselves in where you, I need to save some money. I'm going to fix my car myself. Well, Rock Auto can help you save that money and really benefit from doing things yourself, guys. Check them out. Their prices are always reliably low for every customer. There's not a chance that a, a professional is going to go on rockauto.com, put in a special code, and get a better price than you will get. That's what I love about them. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution for all of your auto parts needs, no matter what it might be. A broken tail lamp, a new engine, whatever it is, Rock Auto has the answer for you guys. Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck make sure you write locked on or locked on cougars in the how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you to check them out amazing selection reliably low prices all of the parts your car truck or suv will ever need check them out now at rockauto.com all right, my friends, just yet another reminder today on the show that our show is brought to you in part today by Built Bar. They are the best tasting protein bars ever. I mean that, folks. These protein bars are absolutely phenomenal. They taste like a candy bar. They're soft and easy to chew. And the best part about it is you will not believe how good they are for you considering how good they taste. I think many of you out there have tried probably your fair share of protein bars. I am right there with you. The best tasting protein bar that I have ever had is a Built Bar. They have nine base flavors, both nuts and non-nut flavors. You guys can find something I guarantee that you will enjoy. Go to BuiltBar.com to learn more about them. Place your order now. And while you're there, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. I can tell you guys some of my favorite flavors include coconut almond, cherry barcia, which I think is the goat of all the Built Bar flavors, but mint brownie is pretty good and also peanut butter brownie, guys. Give them a shot. Once again, promo code LOCKED15 when you get to BuiltBar.com. Place that order now and get enjoying the best tasting protein bars anywhere. Before we go here on a Wednesday, let's run down everything else you need to know as a BYU fan. And first things first, happy Tyson Lewis Day. I have been awful so far this year about this countdown as we get the 100 days in the countdown player number-wise to BYU football. But we are 73 days away from BYU and Arizona kicking off the season. That is Tyson Lewis, who's on the roster at number 73, a guy out of Weber High School up there in northern Utah. I'm a big fan of Lewis's game. If he can put on the requisite weight and prove what he did in the high 
high school ranks translates to the collegiate level, I'm telling you, he could be a guy who very much could be in the mix for playing time, especially at offensive guard in particular, and potentially offensive tackle for BYU. He's probably still a year or so away from really contributing in any meaningful capacity, but I really like Tyson's game and looking forward to seeing him continue to develop over the coming months and years. Other news on the BYU football front is congratulations to both BYU offensive center James Empey as well as linebacker Keenan Peely. They have been named to the 2020-2021 COSIDA Academic All-District Football Team. Empey is now a two-time recipient of the award and Peely was named to the District 8 First Team by the Collegiate Sports Information Directors of America. You know it as COSIDA. Really, really cool. Both of them are now eligible to make the COSIDA All-American Team. You have to be pretty elite to make that team, but it's cool to see at least two former, not two former Cougars, two current Cougars being named to that COSIDA All-Academic Team. Congratulations to both of them. Now, a couple final notes for you guys, and they are notes from you guys who have sent these in, and they have absolutely made my day. Let's start off with Nick Olson. He's been a fairly regular contributor to the podcast recently, living up there in Helena, Montana. He says, Jake, hi from Helena, Montana. I wanted to reach out and say what a great job you're doing with the podcast. The interview with my Uncle Mel, uh, speaking of Mel Olson, was epic. During that interview, Mel, he mentioned Tom Mullen a couple of times when referring to the coaching staff he worked with at BYU. I work with Tom's son-in-law, Dave. Tom has passed away and the family had met this past week to celebrate their late father, Tom Mullen. I got the following text from Dave. He says, quote, Hey, Nick, it was really good talking to you the other day. The family went to Tom's grave last night and decorated for Father's Day. We were all just sitting around remembering Tom when I mentioned the podcast you told me about. They played the podcast in the cemetery, and when Mel mentioned Tom twice, a lot of the family members broke down into tears. Some of the family felt he was never given credit for his contributions to the program. Dorothy, Tom's wife, said Mel was always fantastic to Dad, and they were good friends. The family wanted to pass along a message of gratitude to you for bringing the podcast to our attention. They all believe that the Lord meant for that to happen right then at that time. Sister-in-law said, without a doubt, you were an instrument of the Lord. It was a big healing moment for the family, especially the brothers who had all played collegiate ball at the D1 level. If you get a chance and are able, we would love, we would appreciate if you pass along a message of gratitude to Mel Olson. The impact of that interview will not be forgotten by the Mullins. Thank you, Nick, unquote. And then Nick finishes off saying, and that's a thanks to you, that sh- and that's a thanks that really should go to you, Jake. Your podcast is even bigger and deeper than you probably realize thanks for your work and a big kudos to you well done from montana and the and the mullen family nick that made my day when i got that email and that really it it touched me and i cannot thank you guys enough for the chance to do this podcast to talk about this and that really i think makes kind of the whole message of what i've done with this countdown worth it we're only halfway through it really but man i just i'm getting a little teary-eyed and it's getting a little musty in here but That really made my day. And then our good friend uh, Bill Hecker also reached out and said, Jake, uh, you talked about the Ash, uh, excuse me, he reached out and said, I am loving your 100 years podcast. And he said, you did a great job on 1965. This is from a couple uh, episodes ago. And I just wanted to tell you that my neighbors are the Ashdowns. Bob passed away a few years ago from cancer, but I just talked to his widow and she verified the following. Bobby Ashdown, number 43, was a defensive back and starter in 1964 through 1966. In the 19 
1965 game, he intercepted two passes, including the one that clinched the 25-20 victory over the Utes that year. And as many of you might remember, 1965 was the year the BYU won their first and only WAC title under Tommy Hudspeth. And then Bill also followed up with this other email, said, quote, Dear Jake, I just listened to your last two podcasts. Thank you for sharing the story about the Black 14. I had not heard about the recent efforts by the church to make it right. And as you said, it is a great story. What a great thing for the church to do. Then he adds, the reason I am writing you is that you mentioned that Larry Echohawk was on the 1968 team and had five interceptions. Larry, who was a member of the Pawnee Indian tribe, had a very distinguished career in politics, as well as the general authority of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And that's something I failed to note, by the way. I had put it in my notes. So, Bill, thank you for bringing this to my attention. Larry Echohawk is a name that many of you probably would be familiar with. He was a longtime general authority for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He is a proud Native American, a member of the Pawnee Nation, and uh, really did have a long career in politics as well. So my apologies for leaving Larry Echohawk out of that conversation. He absolutely was an alumnus of the BYU football program that probably should not have been overlooked on my part. But thank you, Bill, for bringing that to my attention. So Nick, Bill, thank you for weighing in with your thoughts. Thank you to Mel Olson for taking the time. And thank you to all of you who support this podcast every single day. It's an absolute privilege and an honor to do it, guys. So make sure you follow the show on social media so we can keep you guys up to speed on everything with the podcast as well as BYU Sports. Search out Locked On Cougars on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, whatever uh, social media platform you prefer to use. We are on them. And in addition to that, make sure to reach out anytime you guys have questions, concerns, or even comments. I love hearing from you guys. The email address for the show is LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. All right, that is going to do it for this Wednesday edition of the show. A big thank you once again for supporting the podcast as always. And until next time, have a great day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for June 23rd, 2021. And we will talk to you guys tomorrow. Tomorrow.